So I wanted to say a few words of just kind of context and then before we move into the theme of this evening, <clears throat> it feels important um, to mark this evening. It's a year since we started these sessions. And that, I guess, communicates two things, right? One is, my goodness, what a year it's been. <laughs> what a year it's been. And I can't pretend to know what all of your experience has been during that year, but it's been um, quite a year for many people. In terms of these sessions, it means we've had 52 of these sessions. More than 10,000 individual people have come many more than once to these sessions over the course of the year. That's extraordinary. People from more than 35 different countries all over the world. We've produced 26 podcasts from our keynotes and various talks. And I um, have just had a look. I think about 100,000 people have listened to those podcasts, if not more. So in the midst of all of this, in the midst of this pandemic and all of the issues, a community of mindfulness practice of people wanting to deepen their practice, extend their learning has been created. And I guess as we move through this pandemic into the next phase of whatever's coming next, being able to use that learning in our lives. And I wanted to say something about kind of our intentions for running these classes and linking them to yours. And it looks, reading through the chat, that actually they are really um, in harmony with one another. We've set these up for people who have an established mindfulness practice, and we want them to be helpful to you. We want them to resource you. We want them to um, support your mindfulness practice, but more than that, help you to use everything that you learn here to be able to um, navigate your lives and navigate your way through this pandemic and um, hopefully out of this pandemic. But I want to say a few words about that before we sort of go into the theme of today, which is, um, <clears throat> you know, much as what we're trying to do is um, aim to be helpful, I can't pretend to know where everybody on this call is at. So we've got 200 people on the call today. And that will be 200 people who are at a different place in their lives, navigating different circumstances. Some people will be in a very good spot, some people in a difficult spot, some people in a good spot in certain parts of their life, and more challenging spot in other parts of their life. And the tools that we're teaching are tools that are intended to um, resource you and intended to be helpful. And I personally think that kind of mindfulness and psychological science at this, I always feel slightly grand to say this, but at this sort of phase in history, um, feel like they have such potency, such potential power to help people to enjoy greater well-being, build community, and address some of the major challenges that we're facing individually, collectively, as families in the world. But anything that is potent, anything that is powerful, anything that can be helpful, can also sometimes be harmful. You know, if you think about medication, aspirin can be helpful, but for some people it can be contraindicated. And I think the same is true with psychological tools, with mindfulness tools. So I guess I just wanna to say two things about that. One is, <clears throat> 
that um, we as the teachers on this class, that's me this evening, and after this we'll have some keynotes, and then Chris Cullen's going to be leading a session, and then Mark Williams will be leading the next eight sessions, and then we'll figure out what we do beyond that, and that will take us to probably the autumn. But we collectively as teachers need to take responsibility for making sure that what we're teaching is actually helpful to you and not harmful to you. But also you, I would really encourage you, everything that we teach, everything that we um, encourage you to try is to really um, take responsibility for allowing your um, wise mind and your wise body to know what feels helpful and what doesn't feel helpful. Just because I or Chris or Mark or anyone else says, shut your eyes and do this, doesn't mean you have to do it. <laughs> you should trust your own mind and go, right now, actually, I'm just going to turn my camera off and get a cup of tea, because that feels like the right thing to do or to opt out. So really to trust, as we take responsibility for teaching in a way that is as helpful as we can make it, you also taking responsibility for trusting your mind and your body. Then the final thing I'd say on this is, um, if any issues do come up for you as we navigate our way through these classes, please um, contact the host for the session during the session. And I'm just going to put this in the chat now or after the session, feel free to, um, I'll just put this in the chat now, to email me about anything that comes up that feels like it's something that you would like to speak to or about a bit more. So I hope that makes sense. I just want to kind of return to the sense of intentionality of what we want to do is to support you with your practice and with your learning and being able to use that in your lives and to do that in a way that's helpful um, and um, supportive. A lot of talking. <laughs> so I'm just going to pause and just ask everybody to maybe just reconnect with a sense of the anchor in your body, up the breath or somewhere else in the body. And just having a sense of the breath coming in, maybe a slightly deeper, more deliberate breath. And perhaps slower and more deliberate out breath. And just take a couple of breaths, a sense of connecting the body, the breath. So I want to transition <clears throat> into the theme of this evening. So this evening's session is on the theme of responding skillfully. And I want to start with a story which hopefully you will resonate with. It's a story of somebody who is a grandmother. I'll call her Sophia. And Sophia has got um, responsibility for her grandson today, who's Noah. Noah's a toddler. This is a case example that Christina Feldman and I develop throughout our book. <clears throat> Some of you may know Christina is also a proud grandmother. So Sophia has also got a dog called Rufus. And she's looking after Noah for the day. And she's just gone to the kitchen to make herself a cup of tea. And she sat down in her armchair. 
and she puts the cup of tea on the arm of the armchair. And Noah's playing with some bricks, the dog's lying in his dog basket asleep, and all is well with the world. Until Sophia accidentally reaches across and knocks the cup of tea onto the wooden floor and the mug smashes. And the tea goes all over the floor. When you drop something in that way, what's your immediate reaction? Sophia's reaction, she has a pretty harsh inner critic. It was pretty strong. These were the exact words that went bang through her head on the moment that the mug crashed to the ground. You stupid idiot. How could you be so clumsy? Uncensored, just straight through her mind's eye. You stupid idiot. How could you be so clumsy? A sense of her body contracting, a sense of feeling irritated with herself. So this is an example of a stimulus. We clumsily, no, not clumsily, we accidentally drop something and it smashes. And for her, the reaction were these thoughts. So what we've done in these classes so far is laid these foundations, right? We've learned to gather, stabilize and anchor our attention. So in that moment, when Sophia noticed those thoughts, she didn't get out of her chair. She just gathered herself because there was no immediate harm. There was a wooden floor, the mug was smashed. Noah was a little way away. Rufus was a little way away. She could look inwardly and see the thoughts, recognize them and see the bodily reaction and see the impact that this had and recognize it as reactivity. This is reactivity. This is powerful reactivity. And this is the next thing that we've spoken about as well, is beginning to meet these moments like the host in a guest house with a stance of welcoming alongside discernment. Ah, oh, said Sophia to herself, there's my harsh inner critic. I'd never speak to Noah like this, but somehow it's okay to call myself an idiot. Isn't that interesting? With a sort of half smile on her face, the guest house. And what this does, this gathering, stabilizing, coming to our experience like a guest house, what this does is it disarms and I love that word because it's it's kind of like if you imagine like a I don't know you're actually disarming you're turning off you're cutting the wires of reactivity it disarms reactivity the classic quote which so many of us love of between stimulus and reactivity we're creating a space we're creating a space and in that space what we do is we find ourselves standing in front of a doorway with choices about how we might respond. So what happens? Rufus 
looks up because he's heard this thing smashing. Nothing going through, no thoughts going through his head of a variety of you idiot. He's going, oh, I wonder if there's something to eat or drink. So Rufus limbers across, has a little sniff, goes, I don't like tea, and goes back to bed. Noah comes across and goes, this is a puddle in the house. We don't normally have puddles in the house. And Noah starts stamping in the tea and putting his hands in the tea as well. The mug's, the mug's safe. He's not going to get hurt. And Sophia looks down and goes, gosh, <laughs> my reaction was this. But watching Rufus's reaction, watching Noah's reaction, this is very different. So what she's done is she's created a space. And as we create this space, all of us in these moments of reactivity, whatever they are, we have these choices. And we'll explore this a little bit later on, what these choices might look like. And these are sometimes described as doorways. Doorways that we have a choice to walk through. And these doorways can be further mindfulness practice. As we talked about, I think, in the last theme or the theme before, taking a different perspective, reframing our perspective. Skillful speech or skillful action doing nothing, even though our reaction is to do something, to do nothing. Coming into our bodies, taking some time out. These are all doorways that we can potentially take. Doing, taking some time out, I think, is a really interesting one. All of these are interesting ones because they require all judgment and discernment. I love the expression I heard from some, somebody who suffered from recurrent depression taking a duvet dive, taking a duvet dive. And a duvet dive can be a very nourishing experience of going, I'm gonna take some time out, sleep and rest some more. Or it can be an avoidance place where actually people disappear under their duvet and ruminate and ruminate and ruminate. So with all of these doorways, a great deal of discernment is disgraced, is required and in the small groups after the practice, there'll be a chance to explore this a little bit more. So how does mindfulness training help? We see and we know the reactivity. We see and we know the reactivity. Ah, there, it's my inner critic, says Sophia. We create the space to respond. And over time, and it takes time, we begin to naturalize responsiveness. So it becomes much more automatic, much more who we are. So I want to shift from talking about these to um, some practice. And what I'd like to introduce um, this evening is a practice that um, a number of you um, may already know. If not, it's one that I think can be very supportive of this idea of creating space and responding skillfully. So this is the mountain mindfulness practice. And for this practice, 
<clears throat> I'd like to suggest that we begin with um, just really, I'm just looking at the screen, coming into a sense of being grounded. Now you can do this lying down, you can do this seated, you can do this standing, but just have a sense of being grounded. And by grounded, I mean maybe your sitting bones and your feet. So have a sense of your feet being really connected with the ground and your sitting bones being really connected with the seat. And if you're lying down, your back and your, um, your buttocks and your legs being really connected with the ground. So there's a sense of grounding. And maybe also a sense of natural uplift through the body. A sense of the head being firmly planted with a sense of solidity on the top of the body. The arms and the hands, the side of the body and the hands resting wherever they're resting in the lap or on the legs. It's really now having a sense of the breath coming in through the nostrils and the mouth into the body. This grounded, upright, solid body with the breath moving in and out of the body. Really sensing into the whole body. Sitting here, breathing. Letting go of all the words I've used, all the ideas. Just coming to a sense of the body, grounded, upright, breathing the myriad sensations that are playing out throughout the body in this moment. Held loosely in awareness, maybe in the background of awareness, but in the foreground of awareness, anchoring your attention on the breath moving in and out of the body. stabilizing and steadying the attention and the breath and the body.
what I'd like to ask you to do now is to bring to mind a mountain, either a mountain that you know, or it's actually fine also to have an imaginary mountain. Maybe one that you can remember or that you've encountered somewhere or a particular image that you know. And really bring this mountain to mind so you can see its peak. You can see its flanks. You can see its base where it's connected to the earth. Just take a bit of time just to maybe sharpen up the image, bring it into focus. And asking you now to actually have a sense of yourself becoming that mountain. All I mean here is that your body has that mountain-like quality. So your feet and your sitting bones are like the base of the mountain. Solid, connected to the earth, grounded. Your pelvis and your torso are like the core of the mountain, the center of the mountain. Your hands and your arms are like the flanks of the mountain. Maybe if it has some ridges. Your shoulder, shoulders and your head are like the top and the peak of the mountain. So a real sense of your body in this moment, sitting here breathing, being mountain-like. Grounded. Strong. Enduring. From this sort of mountain-like quality, opening your awareness to whatever's around, thoughts, feelings, body sensations, 
impulses. But from the anchor, from the steadiness of the mountain, seeing these experiences, these thoughts, these sensations, these sounds, a bit like little weather patterns moving through and past the mountain. The mountain provides a sort of steady anchor from which sounds sensations, impulses, thoughts can all be seen just opening the senses up. Sensing, hearing, sense of simply being here in this moment as a mountain. And whatever little weather patterns come through, the mountain continues to simply be. And simply be able also just to Recognize, allow, be curious about what's passing through. What is this? even having a sense of really enjoying this kind of steadiness, 
solidity, groundedness, this place from which to see the comings and goings, moment by moment experiences. Noticing where the mind is just now. And as if, with this, if it's with the sense of the mountain, <clears throat> experiences coming and going, that's fine. If the mind has wandered, that's fine too. Just see if you can see each instance of the mind wandering as a chance to meet mind wandering with this mountain-like quality. So the mind wandering becomes a bit like a little weather system, it's just taking you away, captured your attention. You've just been curious about the nature of where the mind wandered to and how it wandered off. But from the place of this grounded, steady, centered, strong mountain. Ah, the mind wandered, it went off in that direction. Took me off in that whole train. Ah, isn't that interesting? Coming back to this mountain-like quality and seeing what comes up next, what weather system is going to move through next. Steady, anchored, open. Simply being with this sense of spaciousness. This anchored spaciousness.
the mountain has this stable steady quality of whatever comes up whether it's a bright beautiful summer's day or it's a misty dark day whether it's day or night the mountain has this same steady stable quality and it may be that at some point during the practice some reactivity arises a little kind of storm cloud of reactivity little tornado of reactivity here too see if you can practice that sense of from a grounded place recognizing it ah there is fill in the gap sleepiness irritability impatience judgment just fill in the gap sense and only if it feels helpful a sense of allowing ah there it is and then maybe just having a sense from this mountain-like stability and steadiness just introducing this idea of with these kind of more reactive weather patterns what feels like a skillful response what feels like a good way to work with this mind state this body state really trusting yourself trusting yourself to know what feels like a skillful response. Is it to come back to the anchor of the mountain? To let it go, to inquire into it a bit more. To shift perspective, just really trusting yourself and then coming back to the mountain whenever you're ready to this open, spacious awareness from this grounded, steady place. feet and the sitting bones, the base of the mountain, pelvis and the torso, the center of the mountain, hands and the arms, the flanks of the mountain, shoulders and the head, the peak of the mountain, breath moving in and out, 
from this anchored steady place, open awareness to the coming and goings of sensations, sounds, moods, emotions, stories, all like little weather patterns. As we bring this practice to a close, just forming an intention in your mind whereby you know that this stable, steady quality is potentially accessible to you throughout the rest of this day, tomorrow, the rest of this week, this whole transition point in your life and for the wider world as we transition through this, out of this, hopefully, pandemic. Thank you. Let your body make any shifts or changes that it wants to.